uh, it just marked me off the game. I never got a header. I never won a header. I didn't turn him. I didn't get any runs. And after the game, he shook hands and he said, uh, thank you very much. Great game. Enjoyed it. And I thought, of course you enjoyed it. I never got a kick. You didn't have to do anything. <laughs> you know, you'd think you get a bad tackle of somebody. I had bite marks on, on the side of my neck where he would bite me from corners, five aside, and he kicked me. So I whacked him into the, um, the bushes. Uh, and he got up and he said, that's what I want, the aggression. And he says, I don't care if you're not fit as long as you do the, score the goals and stuff. Hello there, welcome to Football Aranya. Today we have a very special exclusive interview with former footballer Billy Ashcroft, who once played for FC Twente. Um, Billy, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? No, really good, really excited. And I, I want to hear more about your perspective of playing in the Netherlands um, so long ago when it wasn't necessarily fashionable for British players to go abroad and play football. Um, yeah, many, many questions to ask you about, about your time in the Netherlands. Um, but I guess the first thing I know first, then is you're retired now, you're English, you transferred to the Netherlands in your late 20s during the 1980s. Um, can you just fill people in who maybe ha haven't heard of you, um, who are maybe my age and, and aren't too familiar with, I guess, football in the 80s in the Netherlands? I know a lot of people watching this are big fans of, of Dutch football, um, in the decades gone by, but what, what can you tell me about your, about your career and what can you tell people that are listening? Um, yeah, I mean, I started off the uh, same as all kids. Uh, I started playing football when I was 14. Uh, signed for Wrexham as a 16-year-old. Uh, stayed there for, it was nine years, really, I think, um, from being an apprentice, going through to um, 1977, where I signed for Middlesbrough. I was a record signer for Middlesbrough at the time. Uh, stayed there for five years and at the end of that I got a free transfer and there's a guy called Heine Otto and I actually think he's at the Ajax Academy now uh, and he just said um, my old team's looking for the centre forward, uh, mm -hmm. do you fancy it? And I'd just been down to Chelsea actually, I spoke to uh, John Neal at Chelsea, I was thinking about signing for them uh, and then I met the chairman and I, we just didn't get on I wasn't. I'm not his type of person, he's not my type of person. Uh, I came back to, to Liverpool, we stayed at the mother-in-law's at the time, and there was two tickets to Schiphol. Uh, I went over and I just absolutely loved everything I saw, and so I signed in 1982. Wow. So just like that, you, you, were, you were sort of pulled to go and play in the Netherlands. Was it the first time you'd ever been to the country? Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and I, I don't think they'd ever seen me, actually. I think Heine Otto was... Um, it, there's a few clips where I scored a few goals that season. Uh, we were getting beat 3-1 at home by Villa. Uh, and I got brought on with 11 minutes to go, scored two, and got it back to 3-3. So uh, I, I, I didn't have a great pedigree at um, Middlesbrough for scoring goals. But I think Heine knew that the players that they had at 20, I could have done a really good job. And they, they, I had a practice game with them, and they liked what they saw. And I, I signed a two-year contract. I was over the moon because, I mean, a lot of people from who knew me over here who said that um, it was a good thing for me to get out of the club and that were expecting me to fail uh, or that would have been the sort of lower part of my career where things started going downwards. But uh, I actually had three fabulous years and I really enjoyed it and became a better player. You said that you, you were playing as a centre-forward, but um, you, you played as a defender and as a striker? In your career? Yeah, I, I had, um, I was signed, I played at Wrexham as a centre forward pretty much all my career then. 77 I went to, to Borough, 
and had two years as a centre forward. Um, I, I took over from a guy um, who was a prolific uh, goal scorer called John Hickton, and I didn't reach them heights with, with Borough. Uh, but John Neal knew that he bought me for long term to be a centre half, and I was there for two years centre half. When John left to go to Chelsea, I stayed on for another year, and I was moved forward again to centre forward. But I say it didn't work out my last season. Uh, I, I absolutely loved being a footer, never wanted to leave. But you know, when, when it's your time to move, it's time to move. Uh, and another hit, uh, part of my story opened up in uh, at twenty, and I say the three years I was there were probably one of the most enjoyable times of football that I had. <laughs> Tell us more then, what, what exactly did you learn whilst you were there? Because you weren't exactly, you know, 21, 22 when you went over to the Netherlands. You, you were, I mean, you're in your peak, weren't you, you um, at that time? So what, what exactly refreshed your career? I don't think I, I ever had to hit a peak. I was never at a peak anyway. <laughs> um, but as you say, I, I'd learned an awful lot about football, whether I could do it or not, whether I could play, but I... I I knew I understood the football. Um, and what it was, I, I played, um, my weight was always 14 and a half stone. I played that throughout my career from when I was 15, 16 years of age. Uh, and I came to Holland and there was a, a different diet, um, different beer, which is you know, <laughs> something new for me, and uh, the different training. And I went down to like 13 and a half stone. And... If you ask any of the players I played with, they'll, they'll tell you I wasn't the sort of the most mobile. I didn't put myself, I didn't run an awful lot. Um, but I found that in Holland, I, I really enjoyed the running part of it. And it took a while, but I used to go for runs on my, my own of an evening. Um, we lived right on the German border, so I used to go running over to Germany and back. And I was regularly doing six, seven miles a night. Uh, and my fitness just went through the roof. And obviously, with the performances that I got after that, um, it all tied in together. And it's just, I, I probably wished I'd done the same thing years before, but I say it was a new lease of life for me at, at 20. Who, who demanded that from you? Or was that a personal choice from you yourself? No, no, no. We had, um, when I first got there, there was a, a coach called Rob Gruner. Uh, and Rob was a, it was a good coach, but it, we, I don't know what it was. It was, um, the team we never performed. We actually got relegated in the first season I was there. And the second season, we got a guy called Spitz Cohen, who was an ex-player from the club, and he was a really good technical coach. Um, but the training was pretty much the same. It's the, the same sort of typical Dutch football, uh, tich, uh, the same sort of training. And then we signed Fritz Korbach, who was well-known in the Netherlands, a crazy, crazy man, but one of the best coaches I've ever worked on there. Uh, and he, the first day we, we sort of trained with him, he, he came to the club, we had big arguments, we had a big fight, a big argument about what was going on. Uh, we had a little bit of um, a rondo five-a-side and he kicked me, so I whacked him into the um, the bushes. Uh, and he got up and he said, that's what I want, the aggression. And he said, I don't care if you're not fit as long as you do the, score the goals and stuff. And I thought, I'd run through a brick wall for this guy. Uh, and you knuckle down to actually stick with him because Fritz would actually run with the players. He wasn't one that said, this is your training uh, schedule for a day. He'd run. So I tried to keep up with him. I was grabbing him and keeping him. And in the end, I found that I was getting that closer uh, to, to the rest of the players. Uh, and in the end, because I'm quite a strong player, I was never sort of that, that, phys that fitness. But in the end, my, my physical sort of, um, I hit my physical peak 
and the, the training and on the pitch on the um, the training field with the ball, we were always using the ball. Uh, and as I say, my second year was there was probably one of the best goal scoring seasons I've had. <laughs> and then what happened when you came back to the Eredivisie after that? Uh, yeah, we got promotion there. Um, we, I don't think we did bad this, the, in the sort of the, the next season, you know, because um, well, I think we finished up period champions in the uh, Erste Divisie, and we got automatic promotion. I think we came second to MFA. Um, and we went into the following season. And to be honest with you, the, the players that we had, we had a fabulous set of players. Uh, I was up and down. I played at the back. I played at the front. We could be. We bought uh, Vili Carbo, uh, great goal scorer. And I think we were finishing about halfway. And I think what it needed needed freshening up. Uh, we needed some new players. And I think it was sort of time for me to bow out. You know, I'd done my three three years and. I need to get my family back home and get established back here. So you, you left your family at home and you moved abroad by yourself? Oh, no, no. We took the family. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have three years away from the, the family with the kids and stuff like that. No, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> um, we actually rented a house from um, Ab Gritter, who was the, the club captain. I think he went into Germany. Um, so we, we, looked, we spoke to Martin Yoll about his place, which is a bit small, and then we spoke to uh, Romeo Sonderfan and his house was too small, but Ab's house was like five bedrooms, so we could have the family come over to visit from, from England. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lived in this beautiful little place just out uh, the outskirts of Enskive, uh, and uh, the wife and kids absolutely loved it. My me son went to school there. Uh, mm-hmm. He was fluent in Dutch after just over a month. So... Uh, we sort of we settled in. It was really good. They lo- they loved the Brits, the English over in uh, in Holland anyway. So yeah, it was quite easy to settle down. <laughs> well, that's really encouraging because people will be thinking in life that they want to make that kind of switch. And footballers too, they will be thinking about going going abroad. Would you would you recommend the Netherlands then to a lot of British footballers? And I guess why why do you think up until now have many British footballers put off going abroad? I would recommend it highly. Um, I mean, the problem you've got is the money is in England. You know, the, you, you can be an average player now, which there are so many average players in England on, on wages, which are ridiculous, which is, it's actually ruined to the, the, the clubs. I mean, they're the buying these players who are not up to standard uh, and being held to ransom. And I'm thinking there's a couple of young lads that I've seen playing and I'm thinking they would do a great job going over to to, to Leicester's 20 or uh, Groningen or places, or even Belgium, uh, the likes of Anderlecht, take some of these youngsters over and bed them in. I think Jude Bellingham did it. He went from England as a 16-year-old over to, to Germany. Uh, and within a year or so, he's a, an established England international. And I just think it broadens your horizons, and you know, um, trying different things, different training methods, uh, different lifestyles. Uh, and I actually think it, it would benefit some of these young lads. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it would be recommended to a lot of younger players going to the Netherlands. They know they're going to get the playing time. The Dutch players get it. And I'm, I'm sure that if there were more loan moves, perhaps as available to English players, they'd go and consider it. A person who's kind of doing that right now is George Cox. He was on a loan move from Brighton. He's made it permanent. And he's still with Fortuna Sittard now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great for players, like you said, to broaden horizons. Well, the thing is, I mean, everybody loves uh, Dutch football. Yeah. I mean, over here, we, we've got uh, 
well, I don't like to say this because I support Everton, but we have Van Dijk. Um, and, I mean, okay, uh, uh, the lad at United, um, is Donny, Donny, I can't remember his name. Uh, not having a great time. Uh, but the, the the Dutch players that have played over here, I mean, the likes of Hullerton, um, uh, what's his name, the, the lad who was up in Middlesbrough, um, they're just, I mean, such great players. Uh, and and they, they lit up the, the Premiership. So uh, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, I beg your pardon. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Hasselbank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, if you look at them, these are world-class players. Uh, and they've actually shown when they come over here. And I'm just thinking, well, can't we do a sort of swap, get some of our players to go over, <laughs> teach them and let them sort of feel that sort of uh, total Dutch football. Was that the biggest thing for you then, that style of football when you first went over? Was that was that a shock to you? You mentioned that you were running a lot more. Um, the fitness was there. Um, yeah, how was it adapting to that? Oh, it was great. So it was, I mean, most days we play five-a-side or we'd have Rondo like they did in Barcelona. It was technical. Um, but, I mean, most of the goals I scored were, were headers. You know what I mean? It was like... Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you can you find a lot of them on YouTube. It's just a lot of you scoring headers. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It was like the teams you play for play to the strength. And if my strength is heading the ball, put two <laughs> wings on across the ball. When I was at Wrexham, um, my last season at Wrexham, we uh, we should have got promotion. Uh, and we had one of the best players I've ever played with. It was a guy called Graham Whittle. And we had a winger called Bobby Shinton. And we bought Bob from Cambridge for 10,000. And, and Graham was from the youth team. And between us, we scored 86 goals in a season and missed out on promotion by goal average. Wow. So it's like, it, it, it's just one of those sort of um, times of your life where you, you learn to do so much. And it's like we have two wingers, a winger, and Mickey Thomas, who went to Man United, crossing the balls, and Graham Whittles just feeding off the scraps. At 20, that's exactly what they did. We had Ava Blooming crossing the ball, um, Sanchez Torres, we had the, one of the best fullbacks I've ever played with was John Scaver. And he could put a cross in on, on, on just a pinpoint cross. And these guys made it easy for me. And that's like your typical Dutch style too. Um, I was going to ask you who, who are like the best players that you, you play with. Are the players that people listening w- would know um, some names? Well, the best players, I mean, I went, when I was at um, my second year at 20, we had the goalkeeper called Taylor Snelders. Who was an international, uh, top class player. Um, Rene Rood, uh, fabulous crosser of a ball. We've got Manuel Sanchez Torres, who was actually in, he's in the Hall of Fame. I saw this photo up on, um, on YouTube or on um, Twitter, I think it was. And then the best player, possibly, because uh, we had Fred Rutten, we had Martin Copeland, we're all great players, but Jan Sorensen. Um, we had Jan uh, the second year I was there, and Jan was just a Danish international. Uh, and he made us tech. He was the missing link that we, we needed to get the promotion. And he was such a confident person that, I mean, when he played, he just passed on his, his confidence to everybody else. And we thought we were unbeatable wherever we went. But I think if you're looking at because Liverpool even tried to sign him. Uh, and I don't know what happened, but... Uh, instead of signing Jan Sorensen, they signed Jan, Mul- uh, Jan Mulby, which I mean, a great player as well. But uh, Jan Sorensen has got to be the best player I played with in Holland by a distance. 
And you mentioned Fred Rutten then as well, someone who went on to be um, a well-known manager too. He's been everywhere, Fred, hasn't he? He's been everywhere <laughs> a draft wouldn't. Yeah, well, I think Copey does Martin Copeman. He, he's he was uh, he does the Concaf. I think he's he's living in Aruba now, but he's done um, managed the Seychelles and Mauritius. I mean, it's a terrible job, that isn't it? <laughs> Lives in Aruba and manages those two teams, but he's a great manager and, and uh, he's still a good mate. I still speak to them all on Facebook and, and uh, still good mates. I, just, I, I should have gone over to watch the final game a couple of weeks ago, but I've just had major surgery and, and I, I can't really travel just yet. So you have so been back to visit Twente though since you left the club? No. No, I so said they asked me um, a couple of, uh, probably last month it was, uh, and I, I just wasn't up for the, the flight, so. I will go in future, though. <laughs> uh, what kind of fun memories do you leave, though, when you think of Twente? What What were the best best highlights for you? You said you, said you got promoted from the second tier. Yeah, I mean, that, that was... Um, well, I think when I went there, we had sort of... It was just a typical football team. It was like they'd, they'd come to work and go home, and I wasn't used to that. I don't mean this any disrespect, but when we had... Um, the Wrexham team that I was I played in, which was successful, I used to say that they were a really good pub team, and people said it's a bit unfair. I said no, and I don't mean that we played like a pub team. What I mean was we all went out together, we were all mates together. It was like uh, the lads at the local pub, the eleven lads that live within five streets of each other, so they're all good mates. So when we were at twenty, it was like um, they'd all go home <laughs> after training, and I was like, well, don't sit and have a talk and have a beer and stuff, and. They never had nicknames. The lads never had nicknames. So I started calling, uh, giving them nicknames and that. And Corbach thought it was great. So we started, I mean, it got more like a, I wouldn't say a family atmosphere, but it got more of a fun atmosphere. And, uh, and I really enjoyed doing it. I mean, we used to do stupid things like in the snow, I'd, I'd make, uh, buy Jan, Jan Sorensen a balaclava and we wear these big long leather coats to go training. And they were that long, you couldn't see the ball. And we thought, we'll get fined, Corbach uh, will find us. But he thought it was funny. And he just, he'd let you get on with it. As long as everyone was in, in the sort of in a good mood, he didn't care. He was like, you're winning. Just go and enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Bringing across some of the, the English banter in the dressing room. <laughs> That's it. I mean, football's for everybody to enjoy. If you don't enjoy your football, don't play. But we did, I mean, I say we used to go for a beer when we, we were stupid because, I mean, you were footballers, you, you can you can only do so much. Mm. Um, so we'd go for a beer together. Um, we'd go on a night out. We'd go fishing together, uh, and we'd have an absolute ball. And mm-hmm. they always call it team bonding, uh, and that's what you need. I mean, I, I actually did. Um, we were out one night, and I, I I was a good friend of Tommy Cooper's, the English comedian. And well, I was out one night, and I did an impression of him. And by the time it filtered down through all the lads. Uh, we had to do it live on television at the studios in Hilversum. So the whole of the team went down in the, the evening while I did this live Tommy Cooper after I got John Scave involved with it, which he wasn't happy in the end. Um, but we all went together. They said, oh, Billy's gone. We're all going. The team effort. So we went down there and we were there for the demo of the blast. But that's what you do when you're a team. Well, you mentioned they're like going for a beer and that kind of thing. Um, do you think that if you'd being a footballer in today's age, do you think you'd have lived any differently? Um, like in this age of social media, do you think that you'd have done the same sort of things? No, you couldn't do it. 
there's, uh, there's too many people out there trying to make a, a fast buck on the back of another player. Or, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're a footballer. There's always somebody with a camera trying to mm. catch you off guard. And, and the, the, I mean, you take a photograph from, from one perspective and it looks like you're kicking somebody in the teeth and then another one, you're saving somebody's life. Uh, and, and I think you, you, you have to be so guarded. You know, you, you don't want to be misunderstood. I mean, one of my mates when I, I signed for, for Middlesbrough was Graeme Souness. Uh, and I, I came from Wrexham. We, we had a thing called Wrexham Lager, which is probably the best lager I've ever tasted in the world. We used to like a, a, a pint of lager. And Graeme said to me, no, don't, you don't drink pints. Just have a glass of orange juice and whatever you want to put in the orange juice. But at least people say, well, I've never seen him drinking pints. Mm-hmm. And it was like, but why would I do that? He said, because people... Uh, nasty, and they're trying to get you sort of into trouble. And today, I mean, it's so much work. Mm. And I think had you done that with Twenta as well, Twenta, um, you said you said you were relegated and you got promoted from the Dutch second tier, but they're one of the biggest clubs in, in, in the Netherlands. And I think that that kind of attention you get um, wouldn't be very welcome, would it? Did you, did you feel when you went to Twenta that the size and the gravity of the club People that are new to Dutch football now probably wouldn't appreciate that, but Twente are one of those biggest sides in Evans after your, your Ajax and your final, basically. Yeah. yeah um, well, I say we had Fritz Kohlbach, and Fritz was um, he was a proper man's man, uh, and and he was pretty much the same as uh, the manager that we had at uh, Wrexham and Middlesbrough, John Neal, and he said if you if you're going to behave like men, drinking and, and whatever you're going to do, you've got to train like men. And he accepted it. You know, you don't be stupid. You don't go out. It didn't matter where I, I played, whether it be in, in, at Wrexham, right the way through to Tranmere. Uh, I always adhered to the rule that Thursday and Friday was a no-go. You don't go out. You don't drink. Uh, and it was three or four years after I retired. And I was sat in a, in a, in a pub. I had a pub in, in Southport, and, uh, sorry, in Liverpool. And I was sat there with a beer, and I'm thinking, this is wrong. You know, I've been brought up for 20-odd years. You don't go drinking on a, on a Thursday and Friday. Uh, and there was a game the next day I was going to watch Everton. Uh, and I, I sat there sort of surreptitiously uh, drinking this pint because it was like, I shouldn't be doing it. So you, it gets ingrained here. Like, do the right thing, you'll be rewarded. Do the wrong thing, you get punished. Mm. <laughs> well, how, how was it watching Twente, though, when they won the league in, oh, when was it now, 2009? It was a long time ago. Steve McLaren. Yeah, Steve Another McLaren. Another little sort of uh, a guy. Well, he was at Butter for a while. But um, I was <laughs> so you must know quite well. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I actually don't know him. He, he's, um, I mean, if, if you think about Middlesbrough, I'm nearly three hours away. So I'll probably get over there once a season. Uh, I've only just given up my seat at Goodison Park because I'm an Evertonian. So I had a season ticket for Everton. So I used to go to all the Everton games. But um, I went over to, to watch Middlesbrough pretty much maybe once, twice a season. And I'd see him there, but I'd never speak to him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same with Brian Robson. I knew Brian from playing against him. But when he was the manager of Middlesbrough, it was just like, you know, he's over there and you give him a little wave. And, but I try not to sort of impose on people. <laughs> he still did a great job, though, at Twente, I think, to, to give them that in their history. He's always down now, was winning that league when... It's dominated by three teams. 
Yeah, it's always been there. I mean, when I when I was at uh, twenty, we had uh, the likes of Eddie Drost, uh, Kick uh, Van der Vol and Eddie Ackerberg, who'd been in the sort of successful period years before when they were in Europe and winning titles and stuff. And you could see they were so so sort of disheartened that we'd not done it since. And I was just pleased, even though I was over here. Uh, I think uh, poor AP might have um, passed away by then, but I know Kick Van der Vol and Eddie Ackerberg were like. Uh, you can see they were over the moon because they actually won the title again. Um, being an ex-player, it was, you know, um, when people asked me about who you played for, uh, a couple of years ago, they had us at FC20, this, I had no idea who they are. And then mm-hmm. 2009 or whatever, it was like, you played for 20. Oh, they're the team that won the title with McLaren. So, yeah, so it's like they were back on the map big time. <laughs> Do you still follow them now? Do you still catch up their, their results? Yeah, but I, you know I'm on my phone and I, and I put a, a check who's playing each day. Uh, and they were in the cup against Feyenoord and, and never came up on my phone. And then everyone from, from um, Enschede was saying, what do you think of the result? <laughs> I said, well, I better find out what it was first. But it was a cup <laughs> game. So, uh, yeah. But I always looked at the results. And um, we used to get a programme. Well, you know, over here, we used to get the, um, the area division on television. And I used to watch them on that. Mm. Uh, it was great. But obviously, the Grolschfest now, this big, huge stadium, it's uh, it's so different than um, the old stadium. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's the same um, same as Middlesbrough, um, playing at Ayrson Park, and then all of a sudden you've got uh, the Riverside. Mm. Uh, and I mean, I played at Wrexham, and it was um, it's the oldest international football ground in the world. Mm. You know, it's got all the history in that, so... But yeah, I'll get over to watch uh, 20 soon, I would think. <laughs> and they're, they're on the way back up to the top sort of reaches of the league. Like they had a history repeating itself by getting relegated a few years back, didn't they, after they won the league? And now they're back in the Eredivisie and, and fighting for the European places again, which is, I mean, in some ways it's good to see. People will go, oh, we don't always want to see the same teams fighting at the top. But I think it is good to see 20 up there because of their history and, and what, a, what a big team they are. It's like yeah, uh, the Premier League it, without Leeds. Yeah, it, was well, that yeah, it does get it does get a little bit when it's a Ajax or Feyenoord or PSV. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nice to have that one. It's like watching Liverpool all them years ago, mm. and then you get City coming along, and it's like, well, being an Evertonian, it's great that they got knocked off the perch. Uh, but then it's like, well, you want somebody to knock City off it now, as long as it's not yeah. Liverpool. So it'd be nice if it was Chelsea. It'd be great if it was Everton, but that's not going to happen not in the next twenty years or so. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's great watching uh, twenty back in the mix, mm. and and Eredivisie itself is growing again. Um, not to a, where it was, I guess, in the nineties or, or the seventies. But Ajax flying that flag in in the Champions League. It looks like Dutch football as a whole's on on the rise now, and with with many teams doing well in Europe, the Conference League has been very good for the league. Um, but I think in time, it's, it is going to improve the league as a whole if you get more money in. From Europe, you get more Champions League places potentially come in, and um, it's just more reputation for the league. Yeah, yeah. If you think about, I mean, Ajax, what they are—they're a feeder club. So every yeah. time they get like a good group of players, and uh, they have to sell them to, to mm. uh, financially support themselves. And I would think you'd get most of the teams doing the same thing. You know, if a big English club comes in and offers this type of, uh, type of money, or a Spanish club comes in. It's like, well, we have to take it. And it's just, it's just that 
wouldn't it be nice if you could keep the players that you sort of bring through the ranks and then and then fight for these um, European titles? I mean, Ajax many years ago went with Cruyff and that it was um, they were winning European titles. At the moment, you can't see that happening because yeah. the, the the sort of big clubs in England and, and Spain are spending that much money to strengthen the teams. Uh, and the the Dutch and well Belgian teams they can't afford it. Even the German teams are struggling for the cash. Yeah. In in Ajax's defence, they are they are trying trying to make those moves now to keep some of their better players, trying to keep them for a little longer. I think there was a time not too long ago in the last decade when players would get to 18, 19, 20, have one good season and, and just go. Um, but Ajax are, are, are trying to change the, the, those ways. They're trying to keep players into their 20s, um, then selling them on when they're really ready to go. They're trying to um, bring back players. I mean, Dusan Tadic, Deli Blint, two great examples of players yeah. that were in their peak that came back and they've, yeah, they're, they're wanting to win titles with Ajax. But I see your point, though, that, that that's got to change. That's still got to be a thing that happens. If, well, yeah, if you Dutch put all the hard work in with the players and then you don't get any benefits. It's like they've gone yeah. and then somebody else benefits for your, all your hard work. It was like when we had Wayne Rooney mm. uh, when we sort of, we brought him to, well, I did, Everton brought him through and brought him as a sort of, um, through the ranks when he was 16 and then all of a sudden he goes away with England with some of the bigger clubs players and he comes back, I'm going to Man United. Uh, and I think it was uh, Everton had to sell him because we we're in dire straits at the time. I think Rooney would like to have stayed, but he was pushed out. And I'm thinking, how many Ajax players uh, or 20 players or whatever, thinking, I don't really want to move. I'm quite happy where I am. Mm. You know, it's like I'm settled where I am. And all of a sudden you push me as an 18-year-old kid into another country because I mean I was uh, 27, 28 whatever I was uh, and going into another country it was so difficult for me the first season I mean I'm not using that as an excuse for the relegation we had but it was such a different culture you know you'd have the lads talking in Dutch and, and I was like I have no idea <laughs> after 12 months I understand an awful lot of what they said uh, so you felt a part of it but then you got some of the lads who like spoke English all the time because they wanted to get better with their English. Yeah. So it was. Um, yeah, I just, I just like any team that put the hard work in, bringing players through and bringing players up. They've got to get the reward for maybe two, three years, and there should be a some kind of rule that says that once they hit seventeen, eighteen, they've got to give you two years. Mm. Yeah, or some um, some sort of contract clause. I agree with you. If there's a long contract and they've got to repay that in some way, or maybe there's a a higher, a really really high transfer fee that the clubs have got to pay. To bring it back to twenty, I think they've got a few that are coming through now. Some younger players. They they pretty much started from zero. I think it was like two years ago. Most yeah. of their squad was just gone. It was depleted so much they didn't have a starting eleven, and they had to completely rebuild. Um, but even now, they're still trying to get some players to become key players rather than just players that are there on loan. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're getting there. They're, they're, they're making some really good steps. Well, that's what you need. If you're going to do that with a team, you, you're going to need time. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of these big clubs don't give the managers time. It's, uh, and and the, the supporters don't give them. And we've got Rafa Benitez at the minute, and he's been here for a couple of months. He's made two signings, Damari Gray, and Andrus Townsend, which are the best two signs we've had for a long time. Mm. He got Rondon, 
and that's just done all about everyone hates Rondon and now it's like Benitez out and I'm thinking give him a chance yeah. you know you, you've got to give people a chance to actually do something and I, I'm not one of these who do the, the knee-jerk reaction so you need time if you're going to bring your youth team through and bring them through together uh, they need time to gel and need to, to get the experience and you don't that, get that in six months or one season I think um, a lot of Dutch football fans want to know who, who you played against. What kind of encounters did, did you have? Um, we're looking forward to hearing, I guess, maybe some of the bit biggest players that played at PSV or Ajax at the time. But who were those, those best players that you played against? And I'm guessing as you were a striker, you must come up against some brilliant defenders. Well, I've got it written down here uh, that when I arrived, there was, um, I was a massive fan of Dutch football. Uh, and I remember watching them in, uh, with Cruyff and, and um, Dickman Inga scored against Argentina and that, and I watched them. But I actually looked at and I played against Naiskin's rep and Johan Cruyff. Uh, and that was like Feyenoord. I think Johnny Rep was a peck swallow. But the main one for me was uh, we were playing Feyenoord. Uh, I was speaking to, uh, to Korbach and he said, right, you're playing against Vim Van Hannigan. I was like, I remember him, he absolute one of my favourite players, a defender, oh, midfield player. So I'm looking around and I said to one of the lads, I said, where's Van Hannigan? And he went, that's him there. So I thought it was a groundsman. You've got this guy with bow legs. I mean, if his legs were straight, he'd be six foot four. He's got these bottled glasses on really thick. He's got a limp. He's got conjunctivitis. And I'm thinking... I'm playing against him. I mean, I'm at my peak. I'm, I've done a really good season. I got a kick to kick the ball for the, the start of the first half, and I think that was probably the last kick I got throughout the game. Uh, he just marked me off the game. I never got a header. I never won a header. I didn't turn him. I didn't get any runs. And after the game, he shook hands and he said, uh, thank you very much. Great game. Enjoyed it. And I thought, of course you enjoyed it. I never got a kick. You didn't have to <laughs> do anything. He was just, his reading of the game, he was just, Absolutely fabulous. What a great player. And then it was um, towards the latter part, we got the likes of Hullet uh, and Van Basten, Reichardt, the two Koeman brothers, uh, uh, Simon, Simon Tahamata played in the last scene that was there. Uh, Rob McDonald, who I speak to on Facebook now, uh, Rob was at Gron uh, Groningen, uh, and they had some great players. There was Fandy, um, and the, I forget the, the fellow's name, but he stepped on my face in the um, I think the semi-final of the cup. At um, we were home to, to Groningen, and, and I had to go off injured, and I think they went on to the final. Uh, but I had some fabulous players, and, and watching the likes of Hullet going from like this little skinny kid into this six foot four giant and superb player, and then playing against Van Basten at uh, against uh, Ajax. Probably Van Basten turned out to be at the time the best striker in the world, uh, and and Hullet and um, Rijkaard. I mean, I remember watching them as like little skinny kids with dreads, uh, and then the next thing you look at them and they're like, they look like Adama Traore, they're like big bustling sort of centre halves. Yeah, so um, yeah, I just I, yeah, I saw them and I thought these are going to go far, and then in the the champions the championship when the um, Van Basten scored that goal, it was like, well, I expected anyway, because that's the type of player he was. Uh, fascinating to hear about all those players that you played against. I, I wondered, um, 
you know the best players that you played against in like the Netherlands. How did they compare to the players in England you played against in terms of their attitude? And like you said, when Van Hanegem came up to you and he said, thank you very much kind of thing. Um, how, how, do, how do their those sort of mentalities compare? Was it any different with those best players in the Netherlands? Yeah, I mean, the, the players in the Netherlands, they, they, they seem to be sort of... Um, they did want to win, but I mean, I, I played with Graham Souness. And Graham would break it in half to win the game. You know, we had to put a tackle in. Um, um, I had to mark Kenny Dalglish and, and Ian Rush. And Ian Rush was the best defender middle, uh, Liverpool had. Because when you say defend from the front, Rush, would be just like uh, zipping around everywhere. Playing against the likes of Leeds, um, Paul Hart, you know, you'd think you'd get a bad tackle of somebody. I had bite marks on, on the side of my neck where he would bite me from corners. Um Playing against Sunderland with um, Jim Holton. Jim Holton was six foot two, uh, and he kicked me off the park up at uh, Roker Park. And then we played him in the replay at the race course, and he never came near me. And it was like he pro- probably thought he'd broken something on the Saturday. You know, what I mean, it was just it. The physicality was was so much more in Britain, uh, and I think in Holland they relied more on the skillful side of it and I mean that's why Johan Cruyff is probably one of the best players ever um, and, and you see the, the likes of um, Van Basten it was, it was, he was never the greatest in the air but what he had on the ground or these silky skills um, that was the, the, they were a pleasure to watch but so much more different than that sort of um, they were like hardened criminals in England at times some of the players some really tough players mm-hmm. When I spoke to Lee Catamole, you'd think that he was that kind of guy, but he really wasn't. It was a really pleasant bloke. <laughs> yeah, well, Lee Catamole, he had to set the saying, I think, is get your late tackle in early. <laughs> That's just so him. <laughs> how, how about coaches then? You talked about a few that you had at Twente. Um, what were they like around the league, though? Did you ever get to, to shake hands with any? In, in Holland? Yeah. Yeah, well, I... I um... I only signed for two years and I was going to come back home and Barry Hughes, there used to be a guy, Barry Hughes, uh, it was a real character. Uh, it was at Utrecht uh, and he rang me. He said, look, your contract's up. Come and see me. Uh, so I went to see him in Utrecht and I just, I was with him for about four or five hours and my head was whizzing when I finished with him. And I thought I couldn't, I couldn't sign for this guy because he's a nutter, absolute nutter. Um, and in the end, we came back to England and, and Fritz Korbach phoned me up. He said, um, look, I want you to sign for another year. And I was like, well, I, I, I don't think I'm all right. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I can sort of feel myself sort of slip. And he said, don't worry. He said, um, just 12 months more. And then I signed for another 12 months. And then he asked me to sign for another 12 months after that. We just got on so well. Um, but I, I say Fritz Korbach was one of these coaches that, you would run through a brick wall for, you know, he's, he's, I had so much respect for him mm-hmm. uh, because he had this, I know he was German, but he had the, the, the Dutch mentality, but he had this sort of bit of English steel about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you look at his record, I think he's got so many promotions and uh, some of the teams that he had, you know, they've really done well. And uh, he's so well respected in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. 
Fascinating. Um, and in the end, you came back, came back to England, uh, and you retired there too. Uh, well, but, I retired. Um, on, I went to Tranmere for a year first, yeah. and, and and that was the one place I wanted to do re- really well because it's Merseyside. I'm from Merseyside, yeah. and I went to I played for Wrexham and played in red. I went to Borough, played in red. <laughs> I went to Twente and played in red, and I went to Tranmere, who had blue shirts, and I had a nightmare at Tranmere, and I played pretty decent at the other three clubs. So it was, a, it was because Frank Wordens, who was the manager, and he phoned me up and said, come and give us like uh, a season. Uh, and, I, and I did it, and I probably should have, halfway through the season, said, look, you've seen me play. I'm packing in. But I stayed till the end of the season, and, and that was it. I, I just, my body said I've had enough, because for nearly 20 years, I was used as a battering ram at certain clubs. You said this all a lot of headers in your, in your career. What, what's your view on all that um, in the news recently about, about heading in football? Do you have a view on it? can't remember. <laughs> no. It's, it, it, there is something there. It's, um, I mean, I, I remember when, when we used to have training and the boss used to, like, we're putting crosses in. And, you know, your mates just thought it was funny. Instead of just putting a little chipped cross in for you, they used to absolutely smash it across about 70 miles an hour and you've got to get your head on it. Uh, and I'm, I just, I, I love boxing. I love watching boxing. I've seen people getting really sort of pounded around the ring. Uh, and you can tell that they're not well. And I think some footballers have gone the same way. And mm. I mean, I'm nearly 70 now and I'm starting to forget things. And, uh, and I do think it is something that needs looking into. I mean, you can't take heading of the game because it's a big thing, but something's got to be done. The, the, the PFA in England have got to spend some money and, and really put some money into it and find out what, uh, what can be done or how they can help maybe ex-players or uh, the families when these guys have uh, passed on. Yeah, because it's too late for quite a lot of footballers. They'll be changing things that lower down the game now for children, but for all those players that have been playing for, yeah, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Then. Well, you've seen the list of names, haven't you, of some of the players that, that have died. And, and a lot of them are like, who died of dementia, were, were like uh, really good headers of a ball. And that was the, the main part of the game. Mm. Um, and I just think there's got to be a correlation between heading the ball and dementia and, and other injuries. Mm. You know, other sort of um, illnesses that you have. And I just think that the PFA should shoulder some of the burden and not just, I mean, you've got some of these players' wives, they never made a fortune when I played. Before that, they never never made a lot of money, but the wives are left now with lives to run and like nobody to, to sort of support them there. So I just think, yeah, get the PFA, get the money out of the pocket. <laughs> well, it's good news that you're, you say, you're nearly 70, that's great, great going. And um, how, how was your life been since you, you retired from football, did you did uh, you think about coaching or punditry or how how did it all pan out? I I, I don't really got the accent for the pundit. You know, being a uh. scouser, it's, I don't, I'm not that posh enough. Um, I did look at coaching, um, and then I just fell into the same trap as mo- uh, the old footballers did. Um, I went to the pub game hmm. because it's the one thing we do. We can talk to people, and you can you know, especially. Being an ex-football, you're talking to your, your customers and that. Uh, and it, I, I think we did it for about 15 years. And 
I don't. I think if it had still been in that game, I, I, I would have been really struggling now because it was. Uh, it's not a lifestyle you should do after football. And then all of a sudden, I found um, in about two thousand and one that being a driving instructor was great, no matter what injuries you've got, um, whether you've got bad knees, ankles, and that you can sit in the car and you're with kids all day, which is, for me, I love it. We argue about football, about music. Uh, and you see a kid who, who comes to you with a, a license that he got for the first day, and then all of a sudden, three or four months later, they come into you and they've got the the, the um, they passed the test, and it, it feels like you scored a goal. You know, you've done something really well, and you've you've helped somebody through their life, and it's um, yeah, you, I get a buzz out of it. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, and yeah, you you didn't you didn't have to go into coaching, you didn't have to do punditry, and did something else um and yeah, um, yeah. I, I, is it is there anything else that you'd, you'd like to add about your time with Twente or in the Netherlands yeah, well it was just um I think what it was a lot of people over here that that sort of when I got a free transfer it's like okay he's gonna go over there and they found out I was going to a like a truck club in Holland and there's a lot of things said in the press. I'm, I'm not going to go into names because there's certain people that who said it. Um, oh, he's going for an easy ride, or he's at the end of his career, and you know he just fade away into obscurity. Uh, and I actually got a new lease of life. I think the second season I was there, um, I finished up second goal, second leading goal scorer in the country to a guy called Remco Bure. Mm. Uh, and I think it was uh, I had. 77 appearances and 29 goals. Hmm. And I thought, if that's somebody who's going to finish the career off and just sort of melt into the background, uh, it's not a bad way to go. <laughs> so I was quite pleased with uh, what I did over there. And also, uh, as I say, I'm on social media now, on Twitter and, and Facebook, and that, the amount of people from Holland, uh, from Enschede especially, who get in touch with me and say, about uh, you were my favourite player, or I love the way you did this, or... Um, you're still fondly remembered over here. It's, it makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? Well, that's a great way to finish, and I really do hope you get over to Twenta and you're able to watch a few games. Um, I'm just hoping I can work this phone. <laughs> Next time, work the phone. I'll get some better sort of system. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Billy. Um, and, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll hear from you again soon on Football Dania. Um, Michael, but... anytime, mate. It's been a pleasure. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. And um, if if you if if you want to follow Billy on on Twitter, he is there, Billy Ashcroft. And um, go and watch some of his YouTube clips. He's uh, he's scored plenty of goals in his time. Um, go and find them all. Uh, all his highlight reels. <laughs> but yeah, Billy, thanks for doing this. And um, if you're new to football, Anya, do subscribe um, on the YouTube channel. We have got a website. We've got Twitter. We've got plenty of platforms. Go and find us. Um, we're your home of Dutch football. <laughs>